Hey friends, so I have been wondering if I should uh, have this conversation. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, talk about what's going on, and what has happened recently, past couple of days in Afghanistan. And uh, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine and he was like, before I let you go, I'd love to get your opinion about what's going on, what you're thinking. Uh, he knows that I grew up in Pakistan, neighboring country to Afghanistan. And uh, so he was like, hey, what are you, what, what's going on? And, you know, I have got to tell you, I've been trying to process this myself. I know that a couple of days ago, I, I put a post out there with a, uh, on Instagram with a few pictures. And uh, I really um, was uh, deeply moved by and affected by what has been happening there. I also found myself... Uh, just not knowing what to feel, but feeling a lot of things. As you saw some of the images, I'm sure we all have about uh, with when the Taliban came in and people trying to rush out and leave the country. And you saw all kinds of images, images some of them very disturbing. I'm sure we all felt different things and I did too. I um, felt um, really brought into this conversation in a sense or brought into this dilemma because I remember a moment where in Kuwait as a teenager uh, being there seeing Iraq the forces come in and take over our the country and so if you don't know my background I grew up in Kuwait I was born and raised there and uh, grew up there uh, as a Pakistani because my parents are Pakistani and so we lived there and stayed there. I lived there for most of my life, I should say, I guess. Uh, maybe not most of my life, because I think now being in the States, I've been in the States a lot longer. Anyways, but in 1990, uh, while I was still there, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And that's where we got to experience what it means to go through a war, what it means to have a country taken over by a conservative Muslim um, militia, militia group, I would say, or a foreign army uh, bent to convert and change things. Um, and uh, we were in the middle of all of those things. So as I try to process this, I'm thinking, okay, should I say something? And so I want to just uh, take a minute and kind of talk about what we should do. I think we all should allow ourselves to think about these things. Uh, I think it's a good thing for us to do that, even though we don't know what we should do or how we should feel. I think it's important for us to know this. And so personally, if this affects you, maybe you have a, a connection uh, to uh, Afghanistan. As myself, I know that I look at images and it's the same images uh, because uh, that I that I grew up with because the dress, the the attire of Afghanis is so similar to Pakistanis. And uh, just being having visited Pakistan as well and at the border of Afghanistan as well, uh, I get the culture. So I have a personal connection. What is yours? Do you have one? Maybe it's more of a military connection. Maybe you have had a loved one who served in Afghanistan. I know a lot of people have because this war 
definitely took its toll in the U.S. with people losing either loved ones coming back, uh, seeing loved ones really have a um, you know strange life after going through a war uh, such as this. So, what's your personal connection? Um, and uh, and do you know what's uh, what's going on? Like, why, why did this happen? I mean, I think for some of us, we know, I, I know what I feel, but I don't even know the depths of all of this. And so um, those of you who might not know, what's interesting about uh, Pakistan is, I mean, sorry, Afghanistan, is that it was established the year I was born in 1973. Yes. Uh, before that, it was uh, something else uh, in a sense. It was not really established till 1973. And then even that was established by a guy named Muhammad Daoud uh, who took over and uh, his cousin and it was a coup and it was again filled with violence. But it, I think it started the, the, the beginning of the genesis of uh, a country continually not being stable. And in fact, as you might've known uh, several years, a couple of years after that in 1979, the Soviet Union um, uh, started a war and that lasted for 10 years. Obviously this isn't a history lesson, but just all that to say, um, there was a lot of uh, instability there which I think in 1989, after the whole Soviet Union war in the 90s, that's when things got a little crazier because as you have years of instability uh, and then you have Afghanistan right next to Pakistan, I think in two Muslim uh, conservative countries, that's when you had the rise of um, Mujahideens. Now the Mujahideens were people who were these militia group that uh, wanted a better nation. They were actually connected to Pakistan as well because during these wars in Afghanistan and Soviet Union, Afghanis uh, by the thousands had uh, fleed to Pakistan, but they had still been connected to them. And so this rise of Mujahideens gave birth to a guy that you might know, Osama bin Laden, and Osama bin Laden um, uh, began to rise in some kind of leadership because he kind of brought the country or parts of the country together, but obviously it was a very extremist uh, group, which was connected to 9-11, and that's, I think that's when we really got um, we really got interested in him and went after him. And we, um, yeah, we started a war. And it was in 2001, right after 9-11. And we've been at it. And obviously, 20 years later is now when the uh, U.S. pulls out. Even though Osama bin Laden was finally found in Pakistan, like I said, Pakistan and Afghanistan has been connected so Osama had been hiding in Pakistan for a bit. In 2011, um, we were able to uh, track him down and um, assassinate him, which did not end 
any of the radical groups that had been uh, started there or had been birthed there because of these wars. You had Mujahideen that gave rise to Al-Qaeda, which gave rise to this new group right now that are uh, um, taking over. And so what do you do? What do you do? So all this history lesson for what, right? Those of you who go, okay, well, I don't know. What, okay, what are, you, what are you trying to say? Well, I think history does matter. I think what we have to understand is that there is a history of instability and lack of leadership um, that has been the foundation of a country like Pakistan. Me being uh, from, uh, sorry, Afghanistan, me being from Pakistan, though, uh, I get that. I get that. Pakistan has a little bit or a lot more stability, it does, but the instability is pretty prominent there too. It has some kind of structure uh, and infrastructure to its civil life and its political arena, partly because Pakistan was really connected to or was influenced by the British because at one point it was part of India if you know your history there. So all that to say this, that be, because of this war, uh, because of the wars that Afghanistan has been, they haven't really established an infrastructure. So then you have rise of uh, not just the Al-Qaeda, but also the Taliban. And so what we found here is that we found that the US and the Allied forces, I guess, decided to leave. And then quickly the Taliban came in and took over. No one expected them to take over this fast, I think. Uh, but when you have an infrastructure that is lacking, when you have people who do not know who to follow um, and what to fight for, which is very important, who to follow and what to fight for, they begin to do whatever they think they should do or they can do. And, and they don't try to do something that's um, maybe something that would create a better future for them. So I think that's what happened. Um, the Taliban took over because the military or some kind of structure that uh, Afghanistan did have, the people, the soldiers there weren't willing to fight. I wonder, though, as I'm processing this, I wonder, though, is it because that they had received so much foreign aid, there was always someone from the outside coming to save and coming to bring structure and peace, that they never really established it for themselves. And so when they pulled out, when the U.S. pulled out, all of a sudden it gave rise, it created a vacuum, it created a space for the Taliban to come and fill in and take on leadership roles. And so obviously now it's devastating, right? It's devastating because how do you process this ideas of like, so what does it mean when the Taliban takes over a country like this? And see, for me, being from a Middle Eastern background, I'm thinking, yeah, uh, yes, why did the U.S. pull out? But I'm thinking in all this time, why hasn't other Muslim countries come in uh, to help their Muslim brothers and sisters? Why isn't... Uh, Saudi Arabia, for example, uh, why isn't the UAE, which is, has so much resources, why aren't they jumping in to help and save, which I think brings about the character of a country like the US. I think the US have, has always been a country, has always been a people, I would say even, who do care 
for others, for the other. They've been a country that has a value of to uh, help humanity and to be a resource. Now, obviously the extreme of that is also that uh, we've been able to profit from us being good. Uh, there was a profit to uh, the US jumping in and saving Kuwait in the 1990s from Iraq um, because we know that there was a lot of money to be made, a lot of deals in terms of oil revenues um, and all kinds of things. So by no means am I saying that there is no uh, other uh, monetary benefit to helping other countries, but still, right? Why aren't other countries jumping in and doing this? So how do we process this? I know for some of us, we you know, uh, maybe people that we know who served in Afghanistan for all this time uh, for this war that has lasted 20 years, you've lost loved ones, you know? How, how, does, uh, how does a single mom, how does she resolve this, uh, this loss of her husband and then to think that, oh, the, did we not do any, did it, his death not count for anything? Because it seems like we've been fighting for so long and now we just walked out and everything is, is where it was. You know, it's, the, it's this idea of, of spending so much time trying to build something in the sand. And maybe that was the reason. It was like on an ocean, like, oh, sorry, on a beach. When you're there, you're, you spend all those hours creating something of, of sand. You build a sand castle. You, people build all kinds of sand things, you know? And like you, sometimes you go, wow, these are amazing. But all it takes is a wave to come back and then it all goes away. And I think the problem there is that it was built on sand. And I think that is a great example, I think, of what it means to be working in Afghanistan for so long, trying to build an infrastructure that was made of sand. It comes in. The next wave, the big wave, just takes it and removes it in such a way that it never really existed. Now, this is a great or maybe a decent illustration, but I mean, there are people's lives at stake. And um, those images that we've seen recently and from the past, those are real. Mil military personnel have seen life and loss of life uh, uh, and inhumane things that you can't unsee. So there's so much trauma that's happening right now, that has happened right now. So what do we do? What do we do? Uh, and what I mean by we, obviously this podcast is meh, possibly mostly for people who are followers of Jesus. Uh, maybe you have other people who are interested and maybe you'll share this. So what should we do? Well, I think what we should realize is that, um, uh, that we're going to feel and we should feel, we should allow ourselves to feel certain things. And then there's also things that we should do, uh, that we should allow ourselves to, to, in fact, do certain things. So let's talk about feel. What should we feel? Um, again, guys, I'm just talking out of my own experience. No expert here, just me. Uh, so this might be a total waste of time here and totally not relevant to your life. But uh, nevertheless, I'll, I'll give you my idea here. I think we should allow ourselves to feel 
But when it comes to that, uh, we can feel grief and we can feel remorse. We can feel a terror. I have spent some time just honestly, just more than even praying, I would say just not crying, but yeah, yeah, I'm just weeping a little bit, teary-eyed. I don't know what I'm doing. I think sometimes when we feel certain things, our soul knows what needs to happen. So it, it just needs to do it and we need to allow our souls to, to go and have its way. So if you're feeling the things and you're feeling feelings of like all kinds of anger or confusion, feel them. But I will say this, when you feel those, the two things that I feel, I think, or I feel like you should be aware of is this idea of feeling fear uh, versus feeling love, like feelings of fear versus love. So feelings of fear. For some of us, um, there's feelings of fear right now when it comes to what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, I know that um, if you are fearing for and you have anxiety for the women and children and the men there in Afghanistan, I, I, get, I get that. I think we should understand that, that there is, that's real. Um, but if you have feel, feelings of fear when it comes to, okay, so what's going to happen now with all these Afghani refugees? Because we've seen images and they want to come to our country. They want to come to different countries. What, what is that going to look like? And I think for some of us, there might you might even find yourself feeling a sense of well, well, you know, uh, Osama bin Laden was Afghani, right? Wasn't he? I mean, he was. Some say he studied in Saudi Arabia, but anyways, Afghani. I know he was in Pakistan, but he, anyways, he was from that region. So, are we allowing another Osama bin Laden? Into our, uh, into our country. I think some of us feel that. And see, when you feel things like that, you then you justify not welcoming refugees. Uh, I understand that fear, but I will tell you this, that I was a refugee. Um, when I came from Kuwait, uh, I was a Muslim. And then I, when I converted to, to Christianity, um, I instantly became a traitor to Islam and I found myself in a place where I had to apply for religious refugee status. And I'm so glad that the U.S. gave me an opportunity to live here and establish my family here, myself here, my family here. And I'm forever grateful for that because I know that it's not, it's not, it's not all the countries in the world that will give me that. I mean, it's not like uh, because of my conversion experience, I could go to China and say, hey, China, would you let me in? Because I can't go back to Pakistan uh, because, or Kuwait because, you know, by Sharia law, they can persecute me, imprison me, or even um, kill me. Um, would you give me status as a refugee? I'm not quite sure they would. I think some countries just would not. Uh, but the U.S. has policies. They have some kind of something, which I think is a good thing, and that is compassion for the refugee. So if you find yourself fearing our refugees are going to come and take over, I don't know if that's a good fear. I do think that we should be concerned about this, is that when they do come here and when we allow refugees to come, uh, are we going to create an infrastructure to help them assimilate to 
the U.S. and to the towns and the cities that they settle in. You know, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have about roughly 130,000 immigrants in our, like we call it Mecklenburg County. It's about 14%. Um, and then just refugees in Charlotte, like in the mid 90s, there was about start of about 17,000. It's just, we've got a decent number, got a decent number. And there are organizations that I know that uh, uh, Mosaic has partnered with that has helped refugees assimilate. And I'm grateful for that. So I think we should, we should figure out a way to help the others. We should help our neighboring countries. We should be a good neighbor. We should, we should do that. So if you find yourself fearing some things, um, don't be fearful of, um, of the possibility of terrorists coming into our country. I do think we should be concerned about a proper way to assimilate. I think we should though fear, feel love. I think we should be driven or motivated by love and compassion. And it's good for us to feel love and compassion. It's good for us to feel this uh, empathy and sympathy towards these people. It's a good thing to just kind of sit in that and allow ourselves to feel this, to be, to weep, to grieve, to lament all those feelings because those are connected to love and compassion. So what should we do then? Okay, we know what we should feel. What, what should we do? What should we do? Um, I had a friend ask me, you know, I don't even know how to pray for the situation. And I was like, I don't know either. I really don't know either. I mean, I, I don't know um, fully what to do. So when, what I do think though, is this, is that going back to the infrastructure, going back to the idea of what Afghanistan really needed, I think we should pray for what Afghanistan truly needs. And Afghanistan needs infrastructure. It needs to be helped and established and in a sense saved from the inside out. And for too long, for decades now, it has been trained and its people even have been gotten used to this idea of um, having saviors from the outside come in. And that never works. It never works. Uh, it's, it's uh, imagine a body that's trying to be supported by other people. Um, imagine a body that getting, is getting the best assistance, trying to be held up for it to function to be able to walk, uh, but that body that has no skeleton, it has no skeleton. That is absurd, isn't it? So I think, I believe that we should pray, but we should pray for this, this strong spiritual skeleton in a sense. We should pray for this infrastructure. We should pray for people to be raised up who are in Afghanistan, who are not committed to Taliban or Al-Qaeda, but they're committed to a balanced modern view of Islam and their society. We should pray for even Christians there in the country to be raised up and pray that they would be strengthened. And so we could pray for leadership, for leadership uh, in that country. I believe that's the way 
not trying to pray for us trying to save them, but for God to save them from the inside out. And then I think we should we should do not just pray, but we should we should we should support that our doing needs to be connected to support financially support uh, besides praying financially, uh, physically, uh, emotionally. I know there are Afghanis right now that you, that need our support. Uh, they might need someone to talk to, a safe place. There are people who, um, again, have set up organizations in Afghanistan that you should financially support. I know as a church, we are supporting an organization there as well that has been able to help. It's called uh, Sozo International, I believe. And so let's do those things. Let's feel these things. And uh, yeah, that's about it, friends. I, uh, I hope this has not been a rambling. I hope this has helped a little bit. Again, I am not really qualified for, um, to give an answer, but this is just my thoughts on it. I know some of you guys have asked. So here they are. And uh, if this is encouraging to you, uh, definitely share it, send it to someone. And if you want to reach out, you can always reach me online uh, on Instagram and uh, yeah, or email me at naeem at mosaicchurch.tv. All right. Thanks, friends. <laughs>